What is going on you guys and welcome back to another video. If you are new to the channel here, my name is Brandon. I'm joined today with my father, Mark, and we have another episode of Stock Battles for you guys. This is the series where we both select a stock and you, the viewers, leave down in the comment section below which one you prefer. And we got two very exciting stocks for today. Just prior to filming, Dad, you let me in on yours and it just happens to be that both of them kind of take place down in the Latin America region. It's really strange because I don't think we've ever uh, in this series featured a Latin American com uh, country specifically. And so it's very odd that we both picked them. I'm glad we didn't pick the same company. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> completely unknowing what the other chose, but um, yeah, hey, yeah. maybe great minds think alike, I guess. Let's dive on into this uh, video here, guys. I will ask you, if you do enjoy these videos and you like the stock selection, please do leave a thumbs up. As always, make sure you're subscribed and we do have our investing academy down below if you are someone in Canada that's looking for training in the stock market. But why don't why don't you take it away, Dad? I can give you the screen and uh, sure. yeah, I'm very, I'm very excited to hear your company. It sounds good. Well, the company that I'm choosing uh, has a name that probably a lot of people will recognize, but then an appendix to it as well. The company I've selected for the stock battle today is a company called Coca-Cola FEMSA. And uh, Coca-Cola FEMSA is a, the ticker on the New York Stock Exchange. It does trade as an ADR, is KOF, currently trading at around $55 US per share. It also does trade on the Mexican Stock Exchange as it is actually um, a Mexican company. It's headquartered in Mexico. A lot of people love Coca-Cola and I love Coca-Cola. In fact, I own shares of Coca-Cola. I have for many, many years. But there's other ways to play the soft drink market or the beverage market in general than just uh, picking Coke or Pepsi. Um, most of these companies, and Coca-Cola specifically, they produce the concentrate that is used to, uh, you know, to, that's the, the, the juice of, of the soft drink. And then the bottlers, they all have a series of bottlers who then take that and they distribute it. So they do the, the processing, they do the bottling, the distribution, and KOF or Coca-Cola FEMSA does that for Coca-Cola. And their product line, as you might imagine, are everything that Coca-Cola distributes. So they have carbonated soft drinks, uh, all the, the global brands you'd recognize. They have carbonated soft drinks. They have uh, large juice lines. Um, of course, this day and age, energy uh, sports drinks, uh, bottled water. In fact, they have over uh, 300 <clears throat> annual launches of, of, of products that they distribute in Latin America. They're, the audience is things like restaurants, theaters, stadiums, uh, you know, direct to home as well. In fact, they're growing that part of their business. Their footprint is they operate solely in Latin America. The largest market is Mexico and Central America. Uh, with about uh, $5.4 billion in revenues from that area. South America, just shy of $4 billion. So the companies that they operate in are Mexico, Brazil, Colombia, Argentina, Venezuela, Panama, Costa Rica, Uruguay, Guatemala, and Nicaragua. So they cover the entire area. What is I find fascinating about this company, and one of the reasons that I'm choosing it for this stock battle today, is the that Coca-Cola FEMSA in their world is the largest distributor of soft drinks or of beverage products in the world. And if you put it in perspective, in the US every year, there's a, a parallel type of company called Coca-Cola Consolidated and they do the distribution for the, the US market. Now, on an annual basis, they sell about 350 million case units uh, of, of the product, 350 million in Latin America alone. KOF distributes about 3.4 billion unit cases. So on a scale of 10 to one versus what the Coca-Cola distributor in the US does. In fact, 
they account for about 11% of Coke's global volume, uh, which, you know, when you do the math on that, it equates to about, uh, one, uh, in, uh, about one in nine products or so is sold uh, by this company. From an ownership perspective, FEMSA, the parent company of Coca-Cola FEMSA, owns about 47% of the company today. Coca-Cola itself owns about 28%, and 25% of the company is traded on, uh, you know, uh, for public trading. So either on the Bolsa Mexicana exchange or as an ADR in the New York Stock on the New York Stock Exchange. As far as recent performance is concerned, I mean, this stock has been beaten down. If you can, you know, look at the overlay of a of a, uh, a chart here for the last number of years. The company is down around 60% from its uh, recent highs. And to a lot of people, this may be a big turnoff. For me, I always look at these companies if they have, a, if they're stable companies and look at, is this an opportunity? You know, have they, uh, have they turned the corner perhaps? Is there momentum behind them? To partly help me answer that question, if you look at what the Wall Street analysts are saying, well, they're saying, yeah, they, they see that there may be some opportunity here. The, the consensus price target right now, the average price target is about 62, almost $63 a share. So that shows about a 15% upside from, um, from where they are today. Not a huge discount, not that one of those 20 or 30 percenters that you like to find, but certainly, you know, given what the company has gone through, they've shown, uh, you know, recent uh, improvement in the, in the stock price has, over the last year has been very solid. And there's still some more potential upside that I'm looking at here. I want to look at some of the advantages or the opportunities that I feel a company like this has. And I'm going to start with sort of a huge one is the fact that they're backed by the Coca-Cola brand. So when you look at Coke, I mean, in 2020, it was the sixth largest or sixth most valuable brand on the planet. So when you have a, a company like, you know, KOF, Coca-Cola, FEMSA, um, a lot of people just automatically think it's the same entity. And like I say, Coca-Cola does own about 25%. Um, so from that perspective alone, there's that brand recognition. I think there's a lot of value to that. That uh, sort of helps with the stability factor that it's not just gonna be, uh, it's, it's not going anywhere quickly. I wanna look for a moment, the, the major areas that they operate in, so Mexico, Brazil. Well, these, these countries in the last few years have shown a declining economic growth. So they've seen uh, GDP growth consistently either flat or down. This is not even COVID related. This has been the trend they're on. But when you compare that to the volume of the soft drink industry, that continues to grow in both of these major reason, regions on a year over year basis. So to me, when you look at the strength of that performance in light of a declining GDP, uh, that gives me a lot of comfort there. Another huge factor is uh, the relationships with this company that owns a good chunk of, of uh, a company called FEMSA, the parent company. They are also 100% owners of a convenience store chain called OXO that operates down in Latin America. And they are the second largest company in terms of revenue in all of Mexico. When you, uh, when you think of the scope of a company like OXO, and I compare them to uh, our 7-Elevens, and if you, if you look at the numbers there on a global, or sorry, in the, uh, in the Americas, OXO dwarfs even 7-Eleven or Couchard or any of the other convenience stores. So when you look at the, the distribution network that a company like this has um, and the relationship that they have with that parent company, 
it's important. And especially when you think of things like, you know, what do you think about when you want to get a product on the shelf? You think of things like, you know, the slotting fees and the point of sale displays and all of these challenges that companies have to get their product in line. Well, when you share ownership with the, the bot or the uh, producer, Coca-Cola itself, with their product, and then you look at the, the distributor in the Latin America area, um, you get better slotting fees. You bet, get better, you know, point of sale displays. Uh, presumably, at least when Coca-Cola is negotiating uh, or when FEMSA is, is negotiating with Coca-Cola, you're going to get probably some easier negotiations just because of the crossover there compared to uh, some of the competitors. I want to look at some of the financials now and take a deeper dive in there. Uh, as I mentioned, the stock has not done well. The sh share price has not done well. And during COVID-19, if we take it up a notch here where Coca-Cola, the sales were down about 28%. I mean, that's pretty obvious things like people weren't dining out, people weren't going to events, people weren't going to theaters. But has the company turned the corner? If you look at their most recent report, the numbers are fairly steady across the board. If we look at volume, you know, up 5%, revenues up 4.5%. They do report in Mexican pesos. Um, and in this, um, in this, you know, sort of a, a discussion today, I'm going to be using some Mexican pesos and some U.S. dollars, and I will differentiate uh, when those are. When you look from a gross profit uh, perspective, up. And the operating income, a very important number, up about 9.2% over this, uh, over, you know, in the year to date in, in 2021. The company has for a number of years now shown a very strong uh, cash flow numbers. So uh, that's, you know, obviously if you're gonna be a stable company, you're gonna need to produce cash flow. And if we can see here in the last five years or so, that number has been steadily uh, climbing. Purely from a valuation perspective, I wanna look at some of those metrics because those always matter. Let's start with the price to earnings ratio. As you can see by this chart, they're currently trading with a price to earnings ratio of about 16. Now, if you compare that to their five-year average of 18.9, so let's call it almost 19, I see good potential upside there. From an enterprise value to EBITDA measurement, similar story, currently trading at 7.3, nine, just over nine is their longer-term five-year average. And finally, in this direct comparison here from a price to sales perspective, trading with a PS ratio of 1.2 right now versus 1.45 uh, on the five-year average. So when I look at those from a valuation metric as one of the components of evaluating a company, it appears to be undervalued from that perspective. Uh, this company does pay a very good dividend as well. When we look at their current dividend yield, it's approximately four and a half, just shy of that. Now, their five-year average, a dividend yield, as we can see by the chart here, the, the red dotted line, is 3.25. So uh, this is another valuation where you look at that higher yield, it might indicate a little bit that the company is, um, is undervalued at the current moment. Profit margin, very important, obviously, for the company. This is a number that just blows me away. When you look at the gross profit margin of uh, KOF, it's about 45, just shy of 45.5% right now. You compare that to the arena that they play in. In their sector, the average, as indicated there by that red dotted line, is about 34. So they are a much, much more profitable company than a lot of their competitors are. Always look at the risks associated with the company. And uh, I, I look at their, their, their debt. And I, one of the things I really, really like about this company, they've been tackling debt. And over the last number of years, there's been a steady decline in the debt that this company has, uh, has taken over there. A lot of that debt is uh, the maturity dates are quite far out. So if we look at a, another sort of a scale here, a timeline, uh, most of their debt comes out uh, sort of in, you know, in the seven to eight years ahead from now. So that gives them a lot of runway to manage this part of the business. 
in the meantime, and from a credit perspective, if you look at the credit rating uh, put out by Moody's, they're operating at an A2 credit rating and uh, you know Coca-Cola, PepsiCo are at A1. Then you have uh, Coca-Cola, FEMSA and ARCA at A2. All of the major competitors come in below that. They do have stability with uh, a good cash balance. They have a very strong balance sheet, about 2.4, 2.5 billion dollars on the books as we sit here today. Um, I think that you know as they work through this recovery, um, that's going to give them some ammunition to work with there. I also want to just for a moment talk about sustainability because this arena, uh, you know, it, it always ha you know gets a bad rap. I would say because you know it does use a lot of energy and resources to produce these types of products and. Like all major companies like this, they've been making a strong effort to improve the way they do. None of these companies are, are neutral in that perspective. But when you look at a few little factors here, when you look at, you know, from a climate perspective, they've, they've set these goals going back a number of years. They're making great strides in accomplishing and reaching those objectives from a climate change perspective. Water steward, stewardship, it, it is still amazing to me that it takes one and a half liters of water to make one liter of, uh, of beverage but that's the way the math works on it, but they are reducing that as you can see as time goes by. And also just from a recycling uh, perspective, they are making a lot better use of the materials and they're collecting you know, the recycled uh, or the used materials and they've collected more than 50% of the bottles that they put into the market. And uh, you know, so is this gonna affect them today or you know, the next few years? Probably not, but it just, I like to see companies that are at least putting an effort into making these sustainability uh, improvements because that's really important. When I look at this uh, entity and I'm looking, Brandon, for the point of this battle today, I think of Coca-Cola and with the branding power of Coca-Cola, uh, I, I think this gives you know KOF a, a, a good, a lot of tailwinds there. They are a strong market leader in the area that they work in, a strong balance sheet. Uh, they enjoy economies of scale you know, because being the size that they are. And most importantly, right now, uh, they're trading at what I would say is a, a discounted valuation. So when you look at all those valuation metrics, um, I think for this battle where we have a one year time window uh, by the sort of the terms of our, of our game here, then uh, I think that uh, this is a company that, well, I'm choosing for today. And, and uh, I know the company you're choosing, you just shared before the video. And so I'm curious to see what um, what you know your take on your company is and then ultimately at the end of the day because the whole purpose here is to have this battle I'm very curious as to see which our viewers will pick as, as a stronger contender so I'm just chomping at the bit to hear uh, to hear your presentation Brandon Wow yeah no I, I can't wait to hear what the the viewers have to say because that was really really thorough and it's a company that you very rarely hear coverage on their dad mm -hmm. I mean this is probably one of the first videos on YouTube talking about FEMSA in and of itself um, Maybe. <laughs> possibly. I definitely yeah. know I haven't come across one. But hey, it's up to the viewers to decide and maybe some yeah. of the older viewers will lean, will lean with you because my stock is definitely more on the growth aspect. Uh, mm -hmm. Hey everybody, it's Brandon here. I'd like to interrupt today's episode very briefly to remind you that if you're looking for more training in the Canadian stock market, don't hesitate to check out our Investing Academy. You can join our private membership group and get access to our top stock picks, trade calls, portfolio insights, and a variety of tools that are helping our members all across the country better their own investing journeys. All it takes is one great stock idea or tip, and that alone can cover years and years of your subscription to our membership group. 
if you're looking for some additional video training to broaden your knowledge and expand your understanding of the stock market in Canada, we do of course offer a fully video online training program where you can learn from the comfort of your home amongst a variety of students across the country. Both of these products can be found at www.theinvestingacademy.ca where you can sign up for them online or schedule a call with us to learn more. Now back to our scheduled episode. Much more on the growth side of things and I'll take over the screen here because the stock that I'm personally choosing is the company Mercado Libre. And we've talked about this stock on the channel before. The ticker is M-E-L-I. Share price is high, which I know may deter some people, but um, you know, if you got the cash to, to go out and buy shares of this company, I think it's a very strong consideration at this point. They had a tremendous run in 2020, as we see by this share chart. But over the past year or so, there's been a couple of pullbacks, uh, about 16% actually currently off highs. On a one-year number, we see that the stock, yes, been volatile, ups and downs, but it hasn't really gone anywhere. And I think it's one that is very much worth the consideration at this point. For those that are not familiar with the company Mercado Libre, this is the leading e-commerce company in Latin America. And they're based out of Argentina, but they sell across many of the different countries that uh, Coca-Cola Femsa would produce too. Uh, they sell across 18 countries at this given point, And it's very easy to draw the comparison to the Amazon of Latin America. That's very, very apples to apples what you'll get. Actually, as we'll talk about later, I actually almost look at them more like an Alibaba because of one of their segments of their business, but we'll get into that in just a moment. Just in terms of some size, if you're not familiar with this company, this company trades at a market cap of about 80 or $81 billion. They have been growing their revenues each and every year. Just in the trailing 12 months, they pulled in $6.2 billion in revenue. So this is a big, legitimate player in the e-commerce space. But what I do like about this company and why, although it's done so well, I still think it's a strong consideration at this point, is they do have room to improve. And they're somewhat in the, let's call it the early innings or the early part of this company. This company, just FYI, was founded in 1999. And I think that they haven't properly implemented they haven't maximized and optimized the way their business runs. And when you look at some successful companies here in the North American market, let's just take Amazon as the clear apples to apples comparison. I think a company that is in a similar space in a different region can learn a lot from the mistakes, from the successes that a company like Amazon has. One of the clear examples that I came across was, you know, on Amazon, we all know about like sponsored posts and a very high margin area of business for Amazon is selling these marketing spaces or these sponsored listings. The example that I'm showing on the screen here for you guys is, you know, Hallmark cards, but anywhere you go across Amazon, you're getting blitzed with these. They've recently rolled these out or they've been rolling them out over the years. When you look at Mercado Libre, this hasn't been implemented even close to what we've seen with Amazon. They call this segment of their business, the Mercado Libre ads solution. So it is there, but this is one of those areas that I see improving significantly over the years. And because it's a higher margin area of business, that will ultimately drive profits down, um, down the road. And I just wanna show kind of some of their numbers from the recent report. This is their Q3 numbers that was post posted literally just a couple days ago, so as of November 4th. This company is growing on all cylinders. So you talked about how Coca-Cola FEMSA was up, I think about 5% in uh, Mexican pesos. Well, we see a very different story with a company like this. 
GMV or gross merchandise value. Um, that's what that stands for. Basically think of this as the volume of goods that are sold. This was up 30% year over year. They strengthened their managed networks by 22 points. Items sold up 26%. This is the one that really jumps out to me. Net revenues for the company up 73%. So during the quarter, this equates to about $1.85 billion that this company sold. Again, the leader in the Latin American market. And when you take a look at the rapid growth amongst these various uh, market segments, you can understand kind of why the stock has seen the run that it has. And believe it or not, you may see like 73% revenue growth for such a, a, a large number, a big company with a ton of sales. That sounds so tremendous. This is actually slow down. This is a slump from the previous years where they've been posting seriously triple digit growth sales. So it's understandable why some investors are, you know, maybe looking at it out at, at a pessimistic glance. I don't think that's fair to say a company can't grow at triple digit revenue growth forever. It does kind of start to slow down, but I still see this being extremely promising. And why I really like the stock is obviously we know e-commerce is a place to be. And we know that, um, you know, buying products online as the economy advances, as technology advances, this is a, a trend that is only working in our favor. But the e-commerce part of their business is actually only one part of Mercado Libre. I kind of primed there at the top that they're like an Alibaba. One of the clear things is the Mercado Pego, which is essentially a, a payment processing segment of their business, a fintech side, where they do point of sale devices, they do credits, they do payment transaction fees. And from my research, I've never obviously used the platform, uh, the payment system, um, you know, being over here. But it seems to be that they're no longer just like facilitating payments on their website. They're even doing things like peer to peer payments, transfers, almost like a PayPal or Venmo of the Latin America region, which we know is a clear, clear model. And again, to kind of touch on that with Alibaba, Alipay is such a crucial part of that business. And what it is to me is it's a company saying, hey, we've built our brand on one type of business, which is e-commerce, but we're not stopping there. We're looking for other areas that will eventually drive profits down the road. This is a company that, like I said, did $1.8 billion in the, in the quarter in revenue, 633 million of that. So a very healthy chunk came from their FinTech segments. As of right now, because this is a growth company, we're not really looking at profits. We're looking for down the road, their path to profitability, consistent profitability. They have made a little bit of money, uh, a slight gain trailing 12 months, but really I think the name of the game is to expand those margins. And I think if history has shown us anything, dad, it's these big companies, whether it's Amazon, whether it's, uh, especially in the tech space, Today's worry is not about driving profits. It's about building up their brand. It's about building up their reputation and finding ways to get to that down the road. And with a company like Mercado Libre, they have already established themselves as this trusted uh, platform in the region. You do have competitors. There's talk of Amazon getting down there. Another very interesting company, C Limited, uh, a company out of Singapore is actually trying to get into this market. That said, there's a reason that they, they command what they do in their space. There's something about it, uh, you know, being a local brand that I think people will resonate with. And when you see the growth, even in the FinTech segment of up 71%, again, I talk about those promoted ads, just being a, an example to me where there is that pathway down the road, those things will drive profits down the road. Uh, at least, um, I believe in the, let's say shorter to mid or maybe mid to long, I guess that's really shorter to mid, mid to long. That's kind of just 
the future. Uh, I, I see them um, basically uh, at some point being a very, very profitable company. Uh, in the meantime, one of the metrics that I looked at for this company, knowing that we can't look at a traditional PE ratio, uh, given the nature of this business, if you look at price to sales to get somewhat of a take on the valuation and whether this stock is still a buy, you know, given the, the high share price and the run that it saw in 2020, I think that you're actually looking at a very fair price. So of course the price to sales metric here is basically just taking their revenues, the company sales, divided by the outstanding shares, one of the ways to value or at least try to put a value on a, a fast growing company. They're trading at about a multiple of about 14. And that may sound high to some people, but what I see in this case is this is actually right in their range of where they've traded in the past number of years. And in this range, they've produced gains of about 31% for shareholders over that period. So obviously, yes, you are paying for the growth, but another very clear comparable I mentioned there, C Limited, which is actually an exciting stock if you wanna take a look into that one. It's done very, very well. They traded a price to earnings, uh, price to sales multiple, sorry, I think in the range of about 30. So a significant premium that you're paying if you want to compare these companies apples to apples. At the end of the day, Mercado Libre is a stock that I have talked about on the channel uh, quite a number of times. So I don't want to uh, you know, bore you guys and talk about it over and over and over again. Uh, there are numerous videos if you want to dig deeper into their different segments, learn more about what they do, which I can actually link up at the top for you guys. But at the end of the day, I'm placing a bet on this company, knowing that they have the tailwinds behind them knowing that these regions, as you said, GDP is down, but they are still rapidly growing regions in general when compared to, let's say, the North American market. I really like the stock and it's one that I don't own. Um, I've been talking about it for a couple of years and for those that have jumped in, they've seen tremendous growth. But even at these levels, it does have me considering uh, nibbling shares for myself. Again, shares trade at $1,629 $1, USD. They are listed on the NASDAQ, so you don't have to go over to the North Ameri uh, the Latin American markets, but that would be my pick for today, Dad. And I think, uh, yeah, I think, I anticipate this will be a close battle, and it really depends on the viewer, maybe their demographic, their risk profile, because, uh, I mean, I don't know what you think about my pick from Mercado Libre, but I think these are both very, very good quality companies, just two different ways of playing, uh, two different ways of playing stocks, really. I would tend to agree. I, I you know, I, I'm aware of Mercado Libre and and uh, I've never owned it like you. I don't think you ever have either. Or maybe you did earlier. No. But I, um, but I, I do like the company, and I just find it fascinating that uh, we're both, uh, you know, we both happened on this this time to pick these Latin American companies. Uh, very, very good points on your on your evaluation there, Brandon. And these are different types of companies, even though you know they're both they're producers, they're sellers and distributors in their own certain way. I like it. I'm very curious. We have a, a regular viewer named Juan, who is from Central, I think Central America, um, maybe South America, and he uh, comments on every video. And, and I'm curious to see. He's probably living in this type of an environment, so I'm curious that's to see a, what his vote's going to be. So that's yeah. a great point. That's a great point. And I know we have a lot of viewers outside of Juan uh, that are from that region and that area. Mm -hmm. And maybe if you don't mind, share some of your experiences either with Mercado Libre. Maybe you've purchased products from them. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe you've noticed the the, the, the bottling. I, I I do agree. One of the facts that uh, really kind of like boggled my mind was just the the, the amount of volume of of Coca Cola sales yeah. down. Yeah. In, in the Latin America region versus here. And it's, it's true though, like, you know, they drink that stuff like, like water. <laughs> it's crazy, they, they yeah, do, yeah. they really do. Yeah. It's, a, it's a staple, I guess, there. And 
Yeah, I watch a lot of random videos of people kind of walking around, vlogging their you know times in South America, mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's, a lot of people drink cokes. It's just like you know they'll buy a bottle of coke from wherever. It's it's I think yeah. a very common thing to do, probably more so than here. And, and also, nice, I mean, nice we think of bottle of coke. Yeah. Well, and we're thinking of coke, but of course, you know, they're just their product line goes so much wider than that, and even in. Uh, a lot of the countries where you drink a lot of bottled water. I mean, those That's products right. uh, could be uh, under the FEMSA distribution channel as well. So, yeah. Great point. Well, hey, yeah. let's see what the viewers have to say Good. for this video. Do leave your votes and your comments down below because we read every single one, even though we're not able to get to everyone. We find out uh, these days we're just deleting all the, the spam comments more than anything else because they're just uh, they're just crazy. But we do want to hear from you guys. If you enjoyed today's video, please take a moment and drop a thumbs up. Make sure you're subscribed because we post videos on this channel every single week. And then as I mentioned at the top, we do have our investing academy. If you're someone that wants training in the stock market as a Canadian, so I know the companies we talked about today aren't Canadian, but we take everything from a Canadian perspective, how to build your portfolio as a Canadian, how much exposure to have here, there, how to build a portfolio, the whole nine yards. We do have a training programs that can be done completely online. You can learn all about that by clicking the first link down in the description below. But I think that would wrap up our video for today, Dan, unless you had any final thoughts. No, not really. I just, you, you talked about comments and we do read them all. And in fact, especially for videos like this, I have to, because I'm the one who counts the votes and we do a tally. Yeah. And maybe next time we'll do a, a sort of a recap, Brandon, Updates. sort of an update yeah. as to where we're at. But I, I do literally count uh, every vote. And so, yeah, bring it in. And, uh, you know, it's always funny. People will say, sorry, Mark, I voted for Brandon or sorry, Brandon, I went with your dad. Uh, either way, uh, we love. And if you have some comments to, to leave some depth behind it too, that's always welcome on our channel. Oh, hey, thank you guys for sticking with us today. Really hope you enjoyed the video and we'll sign off for now. Thank you guys for watching. We'll see you in the next one.